Um, it's influenced me wanting to talk to kids about why we're doing what we're doing and being really specific about here are the roadblocks that we've come across and there are some boundaries here that you cannot really budge and it's out of our control. Um, and I'm just understanding that about kids too, that with kids and homework and assignment or parents and home, there's just some things we cannot control, but what can I control and how is that going to be yeah. in my classroom? All right, everybody, welcome to the first episode of Mac Town Heroes, a podcast about small town people doing big time things from the hallways of McMinnville High School in McMinnville, Oregon. My name is Matt Brisbane, and I'll be your host. And today's episode, as you already heard, is none other than the wonderful Suzanne Sales. Take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. Okay, uh, so I guess we're here with Suzanne Sales, who is uh, our recent 2018 Outstanding Educator of the Year uh, for the McMinnville School District. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Mr. Brisbane. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, let's start out with some easy softball questions for you. Um, why did you want to become a teacher? Hmm. I think for me, it was all about connections with kids, um, and I love the reading and writing aspects of things, but I like to just connect with people, and I like helping them along and just find out what's going to work for them, and so that's the biggest part of it. But then also the selfish things of, I personally like to read and write, and I want to make sure that the next generation doesn't lose out on that, so that's yeah. a big part for me. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can, I, at some point in, I, I don't know if I was in college, but I figured like if I could just get a job where I'm paid to read and talk about what I read, totally. uh, that would be win-win for everybody. So similar thing for you as to why you got into teaching? Yeah, the big thing for me was um, actually like I didn't really know what I wanted to do in high school, yeah. and I went to college to play baseball, and uh, as I was doing that, I took some literature classes that just like really opened my eyes to life lessons that I needed to learn when I was 18 or 19 years old and I thought hey this is pretty cool I wonder what other life lessons are out there because you know the literature to read is never ending Um, and I really started getting into that and thought that it would be kind of neat to be able to just continue to have those conversations you know for the rest of my life and read for the rest of my life and help students younger than me kind of get into um, get into reading in a way that I never did, I guess, in high school. So. I think that's also a way that I don't think people ever taught me to do. I think it was so much analysis and things that reading when we were probably yeah. in school was very much of the curtains are blue because the curtains are blue and here's the right answer to everything and it's not a lot of room for interpretation. Yeah, so many quizzes about what happened. And oh my gosh, so many. Yeah. So many quizzes. Uh, so was there like a, a, a moment where you're like, yeah, I think this is my, my thing or was it just like a natural sort of oh, just kind of realization? So I make this joke, but it's a very true joke that I think I blacked out when I declared to be a teacher because I was at U of O and I got into one education class. When I had an open spot in my schedule and mm. my friend was like, you should just do this with me. And I was like, sure. And then I transferred <laughs> to Linfield. And when I transferred to Linfield, I had education declared as my major, but I have no recollection of doing that. Mm. Um, so I think a turning point for me, though, like I remember that ed class at U of O, it wasn't so much focused on actual teaching methods, but it was talking about the demographics of Eugene and about how the different socioeconomic pieces and the, you know, just the poverty lines and the the resources that are available to people, how that influences people's perceptions and access to education. And that to me was just a side of it that I had never thought about. Hmm. So I think that would say that's probably the catalyst. But I think 
It's like it was fate. Like yeah. it was just given to you. It was handed There's to this me. Your ma- this is your major. <laughs> yeah, it kind of worked out. <laughs> but I think as far as like actually wanting to commit to it, I just I think it was probably my first or second ed class at Linfield where I was just told I was good at it. Yeah. And that was all it really took. I, was, I hadn't really found anything that I really loved to do yet. And being told that I was good at something hadn't happened for a while. And that mm. was nice to hear. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... I, I guess next question that I had for you is now that you've been teaching for a few years mm-hmm. and kind of have some experience under your belt, um, what would you tell like those listeners that don't really know what teaching is like, but think that they do because Ooh. they went to school? Like how, what are some misconceptions about teaching that is a loaded that, question. that the people that aren't in schools every day may have? Oh gosh. That is a that is a world of information to give. We're done um, with the softball question. <laughs> yeah, we're getting hardcore now. <laughs> I gosh, I think that there's so many people that imagine that it's just it's so done and that you do it once and then it's done forever and you never have to adapt or change or mm. um, to align to anything new and it's every year it's different. I have not taught a single book the same way mm-hmm. each year and I think that's a big part of it just understanding how adaptive you have to be to your students and to the climate that's existing around your students um, whether that's in the school or outside of school in a lovely political climate. Yeah. Um, I think that is a big misunderstanding of just the ease of you go in, you have it done, you get the summers off. And I, I wish that people would take the time to understand the amount of time it takes to do something and do it well, especially in education. Um, I also think I wish that people understood, I mean, gosh, I, from my own understanding of it and my own experiences, it is a really political climate within itself Mm -hmm. and of just the nuances and the details and how many layers there are to a school building. Right. I don't think people understand that your admin team is working on, you know, an extraordinary number of things in addition to all the demands that they're trying to solve for the teachers and what we're trying to do for students. It's just so many layers. Yeah. It's not just principal, teacher, student. No, it's a really complex entity. Yeah. Um, I recently saw a tweet that said something about like teaching being the only profession that needs to like celebrate themselves and have a week to just like, yeah. And no other professions need to have that sort of validation. Um, so what was your reaction to that? And, and like, do you feel that we deserve to be recognized as teachers (laughs) and why, what, what makes us different than maybe other professions around? Well, it's funny because similarly on social media, I saw something of apparently teacher appreciation week is also nurses appreciation. week. No, really? And then there's a bunch of tirade on Twitter about these nurses being (laughs) like, they're overtaking our week. We need to be appreciated too. Uh But then in my retort to that a little bit is like, well, without good teachers, you wouldn't be where you are. So that's true. that's, That's true. That's a part of it. I do think that there's cause for celebration, I think that it's silly just to focus it on a week. Um, yeah. One of my favorite videos, I think it's a Key and Peele sketch where they say, what if teachers were celebrated like NFL players? Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it cracks me up. It's like, oh, my gosh, did you see her maneuver that classroom? <laughs> and she goes around the student and, you know, da right. da And I think it's just everything that we do on a daily basis. And I don't think that should be limited just right. to education. But, man, like, there are so many decisions the drop of a hat that we do and just so many things that we take home with us. And I've talked about this with you before a little bit. Like I can't imagine having a family, like kids and a significant other on top of doing what we do because yeah. just the amount of time that I'm putting in, I don't think I could do it and do it well or feel good about what I'm doing. Yeah. you. D- there's definitely some rearranging of schedules that needs to happen yeah. and reprioritizing of like when things get done yeah. and, and that sort of thing. But, um, do you feel celebrated under celebrated as a teacher? Yeah. 
I mean, I think I feel appreciated, uh, and I, I'm glad that we have Teacher Appreciation Week and those types yeah. of things. Um, but I got to be honest, like, it, uh, it doesn't really. That's not why I do the job. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, I, the the pats on the backs are nice, and the letters from students are cool, and you know the recognition is awesome, but. Um, for me, it feels better to see, like, especially now, this time of the year in May, to see the growth in all of my classes yeah. and to look back and see where they were and how we've all gotten to know each other better and um, how everybody's become, you know, better at writing or uh, better at, you know, presenting their thoughts and ideas in class mm -hmm. or um, whatever that might be. And um, seeing kids kind of take ownership and pride in that learning growth yeah. is, is what it's all about for me. You kind of get the sweet spot with kids of, I do. end of senior year, and they feel like, especially your groups that you work with closest, I think, yeah. they finally are, like, they're committed to the process, and that's a really cool thing to see of just the yeah. years of growth that they've had, but then not to mention the year of growth in your class, too. Yeah. It's no, that's incredible. it's pretty cool. Um, so, appreciation is nice. Yes. But, um, but not necessarily something that needs to happen I guess no I think I it's know. just it's it's anything in the world people like to be people like to be appreciated yes totally yes let's have let's have everything appreciation human week. appreciation week. we have lots of weeks in the year we do let's appreciate all the all of the careers I agree um what do you think about summer vacation <laughs> uh do we do, do we do we need that sort of break and is it truly a break from teaching for us or I, um do we spend just as much time working in the summer just in an, in a different way i think i think the working is working on yourself number one mm -hmm. it's the time to regroup and figure that out but um from personal experience it is not summer break i think i'm counting two and a half weeks three weeks of true time off. free time yep of Which I is have... what everyone gets normally in a regular job. Is totally. About, they get two-week vacations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, man, I need it. And it's usually the first week is just for sleeping and nothing yeah, else. Totally. It's just, a, you know, getting my body back acclimated to the real world. Mm. Um, but, no, it's not a true break. And <laughs> I think that if uh, – I want to almost say this, but I don't know if I want to. I feel like that if you're not – if you're treating it as a true break for the whole time that it's off, that you're maybe not doing your job very well. Yeah, well, and I and think I feel weird saying that. Well, no, and I think most teachers, I, let's let's be honest, some teachers take the whole summers yes. off, but I think most teachers, at the very least, uh, you know, spend the time reflecting on their mm -hmm. year and thinking about what they want to do differently the next year and start making plans, especially when like August rolls around. Yeah. You know, start thinking about the changes that you're going to make in the classes that you're going to teach and like what sorts of things you're going to focus differently on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's unique about our profession is that we get to start over every single totally. year, which is so refreshing. There's a, there's a clean break and a fresh start, and you can kind of reinvent the way that you do things. Mm -hmm. And summer, even though it, we don't have to come into school, um, you know, I think most of us, if we're not reading and you know uh doing things you know going to conferences yeah. or some sort of professional development seminars um most of us are doing some sort of reflecting about how we want to be better as teachers yeah. um and so and that reflection process takes time yeah absolutely. and that's, that's such a brain space that it takes up it's not necessarily just sitting down at a desk and getting work done that's just a lot of mental oh, yeah. exhaustion on absolutely. trying to figure that out absolutely yeah um 
So for you, uh, this is kind of unique to you as a teacher. You you are a leadership teacher, and you've kind of reinvented how that works in our school. Yeah. Um, did you always know you wanted to be the leadership teacher when you got into the job? Is Was it something you were, like, really shooting for, and is that, like, a major sort of motivation for you, or is it something you kind of uh, walked into and decided to, I think I can do this yeah. thing? I think I've, I've always wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I have an interesting circumstance in the sense that I was a student here at Mac High, and so I got to see it firsthand. And I was in leadership as a student, and that was my jam. Like Angela Newport leading the pack, and I loved it so so much. Um, and so I think from there, my experience was always just, man, I don't think people understand how much goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. I think that was probably my first introduction to kind of what teaching was, was, man, they don't understand. Um, but then when I got hired, that was one of my job interview questions. Yeah. I, I think you were on my committee for that. I think yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were on my interview committee. and I remember you talked about Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> and Chris Olson asked me, though, he said, at any point, would you want to take on the leadership class? And I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was kind of the direction they saw me headed. And I don't know why necessarily, but it was. Um, I think that that class in particular for me has been a motivator in the sense that it, I think that's the part that I enjoy most about teaching. It's the opportunity to be really one-on-one with a group of students and connect yeah. really deeply and to have them understand the impact of when you're able to make connections to other people and create an experience for other people, how that enriches their life. Yeah. And especially for students who sometimes really need that enrichment. They're not getting it anywhere else. Yeah. Um, we talk about in leadership class a lot, like right before spring break or before summer break, what can we do to make these last couple of days before they leave us the best? Because there's going to be some kids that go home yeah. and have a really crappy home life or they don't have something that they're enjoying doing. Well, so, something that really happens, I think, just like organically in that class is that the work that they do is for this massive audience, everyone in our school, not just the students, but everybody. And so um, it's one of the few classrooms or classes where grades really don't depend on what they're doing. It's, it's, there's outside motivation to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really powerful driver uh, for students, but can also be a little bit scary at times. So can you speak a little bit to um, that experience and how sort of how kids have sort of responded to that big responsibility? I think most kids will handle it really well. I think that they understand that they're creating something for someone else and just the, the inherent altruism that comes from just giving and um, just kind of how infectious that can be when you get a good response from something that you do that is solely for other people, that becomes motivation in itself. I think it's been interesting because I've had kids who get in the class and they think it's just going to be making posters, throwing a dance, and totally. hoorah, hoorah. But right. um, it's interesting because they have that motivation to do, but they don't understand why they're doing it. And so, I, I don't know. I think that's a tough question. Yeah. I think that the motivation for a lot of these kids comes from just an understanding of their peers. Yeah. And I hear that a lot of this group isn't being represented or this group was saying this or we have these kids that are feeling this way. And I think it's it's not so much a motivation on like an, I don't know, on like a selfish level, but it's they're motivated to get other people motivated. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you have like just like a small example of a student who saw a need for something and then just became empowered to go and like kind of take care of that? need in our school yeah gosh so many things come to mind um i think of maddie gibson and what she has done in the last couple years with it's not even 
leadership directly related, but just seeing her take on a leadership role. I think of her with Mission Mac High, mm-hmm. and she came at the beginning of the school year with a whole proposal, PowerPoint slide, everything done for the admin team to present to them about what she wanted to see done differently. Yeah. Because she was seeing gaps, and she was seeing a lack of money being fundraised, and she was seeing a lack of community outreach. And, I mean, she's a three-year leadership kid. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like, I'd like to think that something I've done with her has rubbed off. Yeah. But she came just knowing, like, I need to have things really well thought out. I need to have taken the time to really make a plan, because without a proper plan, it's not going to work. And I've come up with my, you know, pre-mortem. If this goes completely wrong, here's what's going to look like, and this is how I'm going to fix it. And she just owned it. Um, I think of that. I think also of Allie and Nat this entire year. Uh, they just are so perceptive of everyone and anybody, and they are out during lunchtime talking with kids about how they felt homecoming was or how that spirit week was or what could we do differently next year for Unity Week. And they just take it upon themselves in that way to just make the connections. And I think that's... Yeah. It must feel good to those kids to to see the difference that they're making and to know that they can make that change to be empowered. So um, last question about leadership is how has teaching that class made you a better teacher overall? Mm. I think it's made me more patient with the process. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think that understanding just there's so many details that go into planning a giant event and of knowing who's doing what and when it's going to happen. I think that's just made me so much more in tune with my classes of yeah. this group's going to be needing to do that. I'm going to need to be working with these kids directly here. And then these ones will be able to work independently. They can go out. I mean, real deal detail oriented. Totally. It's so yeah. much detail. I think also though, it's made me a little bit more just aware. Um, I think that I get in a bubble sometimes with a leadership class of, I know everything that's happening in my head from the elementary schools to the district office and yeah. when they're meeting and doing all these things. And I just think that everyone knows that stuff. And then I talk with my kids about why they didn't show up to the homecoming thing. Well, I didn't even hear about it. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> like there's yeah. there's a flaw. So I think that it's influenced me just of a little bit more transparency. Yeah. Um, it's influenced me wanting to talk to kids about why we're doing what we're doing and being really specific about here are the roadblocks that we've come across. And there are some boundaries here that you cannot really budge and it's out of our control. Um, and I'm just understanding that about kids too, that with kids and homework and assignment or parents and home, there's just some things we cannot control, but what can I control and how is that going to be yeah. in my classroom? Yeah. Two more quick questions. Sure. The first <laughs> one's a little bit tricky. Okay. How are you a better teacher now than you were in September? Ooh. I think this is, it's not so much better teacher, but I think this helps me be a better teacher. I'm advocating for myself more. Mm. I think I've learned to fight for myself and fight for what's good for me mm-hmm. and what's inherently good for the kids. I think that's changed a lot this year. I'm a little less <laughs> passive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that would be it. I think that's a real challenge for new teachers. They they want to jump through as many hoops as they can mm-hmm. so that they can be rehired and like yeah. you know be valued as uh, as an employee, and they just wear themselves out by like not advocating for mm-hmm. themselves. And that's been the last five years for me, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm kind of over it. Totally. I'd like to think that my value comes from what I create. So this sounds maybe like it could be your answer to the last one too. But um, so for the any new teachers that are just starting, mm-hmm. what is the biggest piece of advice that you could give to them? And can you recommend some sort of a book or a resource or a mentor yeah. that um, they can contact or could look into that might be of value to them? I think the words of advice would be 
flexible and be patient Mm. um, and don't think it's going to be perfect on the first go because even in year five it's not perfect (laughs) and teachers have to have growth mindset too yes yes I remember everyone telling me of like you know year two three four when it was really hard they're like just wait until year five I'm like year five's never gonna come (laughs) um I think be patient with yourself and be kind to yourself that you're gonna mess up and that's okay as far as a resource goes, I did so much of this before I even committed to teaching of just going around to other schools and observing as many classrooms as I could. Oh, cool. I was going to elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, everywhere in between, all subject levels, and just I wanted to see what I liked and what I didn't like. And mm-hmm. it wasn't so much about taking lesson plans. It was about climate and culture and management interactions, and I think that was one of the best things I could have done for myself. I stole so many ideas from that. Yeah. Um, also, substitute teaching beforehand was a huge resource for me, mm. and you know, just taking pictures of things on people's walls and doing right. that, that was huge. Um, I'm trying to think of a book. I feel like I only take bits and pieces of book. I can't think yeah, of one that's, okay. that's in full. How about, how about this? Who's been, uh, for you, who's been kind of like the go-to sort of wise teacher that Mm -hmm. you always need to like or that has been sort of a guide for you as a professional in the last five years well like kind of like you (laughs) i would say can i toot your horn a little bit and say you you can talk about you can talk about me a little bit but maybe one other one too well i would say you i think that you have a breadth of just knowledge of the subject matter that i sometimes lack and are are aware of and i think that's been huge of you are so good at questions like i'm watching you do this right now and off the cuff questions and it's incredible (laughs) but you have such a way of doing that with kids too that that's been really good for me to see and just have that modeling and you always are like but what about this like damn it matt i didn't think about that (laughs) and that's a really good thing for me um i think that other people my professors from linfield I still keep in touch with them. Yeah, and, um, me too. Yeah, Marilyn Salter, who was a longtime middle school teacher, she just has it all in the bag. And Marianne Mills, who was around here for a long time, yeah. still keep in touch with her. Um, but then, I mean, our assistant principals are pretty great too. Amy Fast is a wealth of knowledge. That Absolutely. I she's she's like education famous. Yeah. She's a big name. She's so Twitter Twitter famous. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. She's got a million followers. Did she really? No. Oh, I was like a <laughs> very many thousands for sure. Thousands, yeah. I think that it's been nice to collaborate with admin members sometimes because just the different perspective they have. Yeah. Of having been out of the classroom for a while and just a more holistic mindset. Cool. Yeah. I think I would pick Jody Meckles for me. Ooh. She was uh, she was my cooperating teacher. I student taught for her. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, like a million years ago, <laughs> uh, actually over at Adams. Okay. Uh, so going back to Adams now, uh, pretty soon for me. Full circle. Yep. Anyways, uh, I I just remember um, how much leeway she gave me as mm. a student teacher to kind of do my thing, but also uh, if she saw me like dropping the ball on something, she would be quick to remind me about certain things. Yeah. Uh, I was teaching her advanced sophomore class, and I remember, um, gosh, I can't remember her name, but there was one girl who is uh, just the top of her class, very, always got straight A's on everything, Mm -hmm. and I remember I gave her a B on an essay, and she came to talk to me about it, and Miss Meckles just let me deal with that. Now, she sat at her desk and listened in, you know, with her back to us, Mm -hmm. pretending to, you know, give us our space. But she let me deal with that, and um, that was a huge learning experience for me because I, I had to learn how to rationalize the grades that I were I was giving to kids, and mm-hmm. kids who are used to getting straight A's need to know why they get the grades that they do, and yeah. they don't just deserve A's all of the time. Um, 
And then even when I got hired here, first of all, she was on my interview committee okay. when I interviewed here. And I think she had a big hand in that, you know, anytime you student teach for somebody and then you they're on your interview committee and they're they're gonna be saying either good things or bad things about you. Totally. And I, I can't help but think that she had some role in me getting hired here. And then for uh, several years, um, probably the first three or four years of my career, she was my go-to for resources. Yeah. Like, gosh, this kid isn't supposed to read the book that I'm teaching and they need some kind of alternate assignment. What books mm-hmm. have you got? What's, what handouts can I give them? And she just would open up her file cabinets and be very generous with you know giving those things out. So um, yeah. she was my go-to as far as that and, and kind of my mentor. And then, you know, obviously, like, the, the teaching style, uh, she and I have very different teaching yeah. styles. I align you more with, like, Don Witten. That, that's what I was going to say. It's like, person? as far as the style goes, Miss Don Witten was the guy that I would go to as far as how to hand, handle kids or, like, um, how to organize my classroom yeah. or how to... Uh, you know, plan a lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have very similar styles as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as much as I could, I learned from him. Yeah. But um, I love Don's classes as a student because I never felt like it was so lesson planned to a T. It always yeah. felt so natural. Yeah. Just like it was a conversation. Let's talk about it. Let's just keep kind of rolling. It was well, cool. And it's so valuable to let that naturally just happen. Yeah. Right. If If students find something of value and they want to talk about it, well, give them time. My, my stuff isn't more important than that. Yeah. You know, their, their ideas matter too. So, yeah, like all right. Well, thanks for helping me out with this. My pleasure. And uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. Heck yeah, I'm down. All right. <laughs> all right, folks, you've been listening to MacTown Heroes. Thanks again for uh, listening to this first episode. Special thanks to Susie Sales for agreeing to be my guinea pig on that one. If you enjoyed what you listened to and you'd like to be uh, a part of the of the next few episodes, I'd love to interview you and get to know who you are as a teacher and uh, publish another podcast. So let me know and I'd be happy to help you out. Once again, thanks for listening.